Welcome to another episode of the Providence Friarcast, presented, presented by, by PCBB, 1917.com. Your home for Providence College basketball news, notes, and opinions. Now here's the founder of PCBB, 1917.com, and your host, Mike Hopkins. Welcome to the first episode of the Providence Friar Cast. That is right, we have a new name. Uh, thanks to Mike Gormley, uh, one of my followers on Patreon. Shout it out on Twitter. Also, uh, shout out to my guy Radio J for the quick turnaround on changing the intro and outro information. Uh, I'm sure you enjoyed it at the top and you'll hear it again at the bottom. Uh, really, uh, really happy to be kicking off this first episode where we have Brendan, myself, and Chris all on the line together, talking uh, 2K Classic, talking Providence Belmont, and do do some technical difficulties. It's really just me talking BC uh, at the end. We also have uh, an interview with Barstool Riggs, who is the uh, the basketball writer for BarstoolSports.com. He has a, a college basketball podcast called Fundamentally Sound with former college player and Big Ten Network uh, analyst Ben Brust. So Give that give that a check out on Twitter and subscribe on it's on iTunes. All right, let's get into the discussion with Brendan, Chris, and myself. All right, and this brings us to the first Providence Friar cast, and we have our, our full panel here with us. We have Brendan McGarrett of the Pawtucket Times, and we have Chris Grenham, uh, largely of the Big East Coast Bias site for SB Nation. Welcome, guys. The three-man yeah. weave is alive and well. Alive and well, that's right. So what do we think of the new name? Uh, a little shout out to uh, Mike Gormley on Twitter, uh, one of my patrons actually, who fired off uh, last week at the Friar Cast. Um, I, I don't know. It seemed like so simple that it just worked. I totally agree. I know Mike pretty well. He's an East Greenwich guy, and uh, he's uh, he is the winner winner in all this. Uh, I don't know if we can give him a prize or anything, but um, you know, kudos to him for coming up a name that uh, we all agreed upon. He beat out some pretty good. Uh, There's some pretty good ideas floating around, so he beat out a pretty good bunch as well. We had a couple good ones, but it just I don't know. It struck me when I heard it that um, it kind of incorporates what we're looking to do. Um, again, hopefully this will be a weekly show. We're recording on Tuesday afternoon of Thanksgiving week. Um, obviously, Providence coming off the 2K Classic victory, Madison Square Garden. It's the Fifth straight year that Ed Cooley has brought his team to the championship game of an in-season tournament, and now their second win after they won the 2014 Hall of Fame tip-off. Um, Brendan, let's start with you. Initial impressions as overall of the tournament? My initial impression, you know, especially the Washington game, Mike, it was you know, just the way that this team kind of held on in the second half for dear life. It, you know, it looked like they were up by a comfortable margin. PC was going to sail. We were going to completely forget about the uh, Minnesota game. Quickly turn the page, but you got to give the Huskies a lot of credit. They, they, they nipped. They clawed. They made life very interesting for the Friars down the stretch. But what really struck me was the power of the bench, and in particular Drew Edwards. I mean, I feel like we haven't seen that Drew Edwards since his freshman year on a Saturday afternoon against Bryan, where he, I think he logged a career high. What, 16 points, 15 points at that time? And it was very impressive to see him hit a lot of big shots down the stretch in addition to the usual tenacious defense that he provides. Yeah, I would I would definitely agree. The, the sophomores kind of came through big. Drew is the standout 
I would say for sure. But Khalif was pretty good underneath and consistent. And Alpha Diallo, I think, had 11 points. So it was really, you know, the bench uh, drew kind of was the spark plug off the bench. And and uh, that was really the key. It's kind of deceiving when you look at the box score and you say, oh, Rodney Bullock had 17. So he kind of led the way. But without the bench, they would have been in a lot of trouble. You know, Mike Hopkins, you, you know, starring as the head coach for Washington, really uh, kind of kept uh, kept the Huskies in it. Um, so that was kind of a, a plus for them. Uh, but really, if you got to focus on one thing for Providence, the, the bench was great. Through the first four games of this new season for the Friars, they've had at least, they've had five players score 10 or more points, five uh, bench players I'm talking about, compared to last year's first four games where nobody came close to scoring in double figures. PC did not get a double-digit performance from somebody off the bench until the 12th game of the season last year. And fr- last Friday in the blowout win against St. Louis, Malik White and Makai Ashton Langford both tied for top bench honors with 11 points each. PC all last year did not have a game where at least two players scored 10 or more points. So that tells you how different this team is in terms of uh, what Ed Cooley has to work with. Uh, I think uh, nine, three games so far, nine players have logged 10 or more minutes where the fourth game, 10 players logged at least 10 or more minutes. So there is options available for Ed Cooley, but he also cautioned, too, that, you know, it's probably not going to continue like this moving forward. It, it, there will come a point where he's going to shorten the rotation. So right now, it kind of feels like it's a tryout for guys like maybe a Drew Edwards, Makai Ashton-Langford, or I, I wouldn't even say Nate Watson's his own separate category because as a big guy backing up Khalif Young, he's probably going to see a bulk load of minutes. But especially for the guards and also throwing a guy like Malik White, it's kind of like seeing right now who is going to separate themselves from the pack and be one of those first couple guys off the bench in the event, you know, foul trouble arises. Yeah, I, I the depth that this team has is, gives them such a different look and kind of a different identity than they have in years past, which, like you said, it's, it's probably not going to be this way throughout the season. He's not going to be running 10-man rotations through Big East play. But for now, it kind of gives him kind of a, gives Cooley a good look to see what he's got on the bench and what he's working with and who can kind of fill what role. I know Mike and I earlier in the season had talked about Malik White kind of filling a, a scoring role more so than a backup point guard like he did last year. So he's kind of filled in nicely in that role so far. Again, it's very early. But the depth that Cooley's working with is so different than years past, and it's, it's such a bonus for him to have. And such a huge adjustment for him as well. He's used to dealing with seven, maybe eight-man rotations where, okay, you kind of draw – the line in the sand is drawn for you, not the other way around. I mean, uh, it's it's totally amazing what's going on in that regard. Yeah, yeah, and it'll take him some time to figure out how to use the depth because, like you said, he hasn't done that in the past. So it'll be interesting to see how he kind of deals with it as the season gets closer and closer to conference play. Um, One thing that I I want to point out specifically from – I know we kind of just touched on a little bit. In the Washington game, they had four players in double figures. They had three guys with five or more assists. Um, the St. Louis game is a little bit different in that uh, it's you know a little bit of a blowout, so some of the stats maybe you can't really take away. But um, four, four PC players in double figures, all 13 guys scored um, against St. Louis in a pretty cool moment at the end of the game with Tom Planick. And Andrew Fonts getting a, getting scores. Uh, 
wanted to read a tweet actually from Planet's dad, which I thought was pretty funny. Kind of along the lines of the, those old MasterCard commercials, he tweeted, uh, "Observation deck at Empire State Building, thirty-six dollars. Pizza at Lombardi's, twenty-one dollars. MTA ride, three dollars. Sun scoring a basket at the Garden, priceless." That's pretty awesome. That's awesome. That's uh, that shows you, uh, you know, how proud of a moment it wasn't it wasn't just for Tom Plank, but his family as well. And Fonts too. Fonts with the nice move to the basket rather than just yanking a three from deep. That was pretty. I was, I was pretty impressed. So maybe the depth of this Friar team extends to twelve guys. I maybe that's what <laughs> yeah. you're thinking. But uh, they'll be running but, uh, man rotations. Uh, even the walk-ons were getting uh, a little bit of love on Master Square Gun, but that was great to see, and it it just spoke to how much you know PC overwhelmed the Billikens. Uh, you know, I I thought the Billikens, you know, coming off uh, I thought it was an impressive win over Virginia Tech would have put up a little more resistance, but um, they really were shot out of the cannon from the get-go and uh, really had no chance against PC. And I think that we should also talk about two guys is how much this cro- this coaching staff deserves a lot of credit for getting those pieces to come together so quickly. You know, PC opened the season with four games in seven days, and that last stretch saw them play on back-to-back nights. Not a lot of preparation time, but, you know, you wouldn't – think that was a huge glaring issue when you look at the box score. Yeah, two two totally different styles too. Um with uh yeah, Washington playing the two three on, on Thursday night and then St. Louis. I mean there was also some zone, but I mean it just they, they hadn't really seen a lot of zone to begin with in the first uh first couple of games. So just totally different styles and yeah, I mean I'm sure there was some some nights up in the hotel watching watching film um, for the coaching staff, and but I mean nine of ten from three, which is school record for ninety percent. Um, that's uh, that that certainly helped. I mean, the only thing that Coolio was probably a little bit upset about afterwards was you know sixteen turnovers against uh, St. Louis, but uh, you know again that deals with a, a roster that is still coming together. You're going to have your your bumps and your peaks and your valleys, and you know once again even yesterday during. Uh, uh, media availability. He stressed that he wants to see Khalif Young get more than two rebounds, which was the case against uh, St. Louis. Or Nate Watson pulled down more than three rebounds, which he did in 19 minutes against the Billikens. But uh, you know, maybe at this point, it's more nitpicking and understanding that uh, it's going to improve thus far. But for for the life of me, I can't remember a more difficult stretch to begin the season and. You know, opening up at Alumni Hall, a new environment against Houston Baptist, a team that, you know, Ed Cooley said, you know, they knew nothing about. And then come around and play the Gavit games against uh, a Minnesota team that arguably could be the best team that the Friars face, at least during the regular season. And then go to New York and play on back-to-back nights. So, I think 3-1, and one, I think most PC fans would gladly take it at this time as, uh, you know, they, the Friars come back home, they get to cool their heels a little bit, and you know, return to the court tomorrow against, I think, is a pretty dangerous uh, Belmont team. Yeah, and Belmont's kind of had a similar stretch to Providence to start off the year. They had five games in nine days, so kind of a similar thing where they've got to kind of group together and, and have some late nights watching film because they don't really have a lot of time to regroup after some of these games. So they're kind of in a similar situation, and they're 4-1, and one, um, so they haven't really had any issues either. But again, another tough schedule similar to Providence for them. And we should remind fans that uh, tomorrow is the conclusion of the 2K Classic. This game is also part of uh, the 2K Classic umbrella. Right. A little bit of an odd dynamic. 
So let's just let's just so I'll give I'll give people a little bit of background on Belmont in case they don't know. Um, they're in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, this is actually the first time that PC and Belmont will ever play each other. Um, they are four and one on the season. They beat Vanderbilt, Middle Tennessee, Houston Baptist, and Seattle. Um, the latter two again part of the 2K Classic campus site games. Their only loss was against Washington on the season opener, and uh, they led for a lot of that game actually until about the last five minutes. They were picked to win the Ohio Valley Conference in the preseason, and Rick Bird is in his 32nd season coaching uh, at Belmont. Took over in '86 when they were an NAI, NAI team. They've been to seven NCAA tournaments, and he is the reigning Ohio Valley Conference Coach of the Year. Uh, one interesting thing I noticed from last year: they won 10 straight true road games at some point during last season. So a little, little, uh, just a little preempt to, for me to ask both of you, and I'll start with Chris on this. Is this a trap game for Providence? Yeah, you could say that. But, again, you just listed off all of those accolades that, that Belmont has. And they've been a pesky team out of the Ohio Valley Conference um, over the last few years. So I think if you were to say it is a, a trap game, it might be a little misleading because that would be saying that, you know, Belmont isn't a, isn't a tough opponent. Uh, they really are. They're, they're an unbelievable um, program that always finds a way to kind of squeak into the tournament. And they have great coaching. And this year their scoring is pretty spread out. Um, so I think to say it's a trap game might be a little bit misleading because they're they're a legitimate opponent and um, someone that Providence fans should treat as a as a tough non-conference game. It was one of the games when they released the non-conference schedule over the summer that really did stick out to me, and, and they're not going to be an easy push for for any team. No, they, Belmont has three guys who average at least fifteen points. They can yeah. shoot the ball well. They're going to. Uh, they're going to put up points. I don't know. It could it be like a, a track meet kind of game where both teams are looking to get up and down the floor, uh, maybe work off some of those uh, pounds before sitting down and having Thanksgiving the next day. But um, I think it'll be. Uh, I think it's going to be a very. It's a very interesting game. What it just goes back to when you look at PC's non-conference schedule and signing up for the 2K Classic, you were expecting to maybe get at least three competitive games. Out of this, out of this drill, you know, two in New York and the Belmont game, and right now all signs are pointing to getting that uh, third, at least maybe RPI benefit. All right, back here in the studio, also known as my living room, a uh, little bit of technical difficulties while we were trying to record this afternoon. Um, couldn't get couldn't get it sorted out in time, so um, I'm going to finish up a little bit on Belmont and. Um, also do a little bit of BC before we finish up and get you to um, that interview that Chris did with Barstool Riggs over the weekend. Uh, just on, on Belmont to finish up, uh, as, as we kind of talked about earlier in the, uh, in the podcast uh, about the performance that the bench has had so far uh, on the season, I think the bench scoring could be a difference in this game specifically. Belmont uh, really relies on about four guys who play the majority of their minutes. Um, they have been averaging 20.2 points per game off the bench, which includes um, a 22-point and a 27-point performance by two individuals. And in the other three games, they uh, the bench has scored 7, 9, and 15. So um, Providence is averaging 34.5 points a game off their, ben- off their bench through four games. So um, look for the bench to uh, to be a factor in this game. And really, I mean, it's pretty pretty clear that Belmont um, likes to shoot threes, likes to make threes. Uh, they do a lot of their scoring by the three-point basket. 
So uh, the key, I think, really will just be for Providence to guard the three-point line, force force Belmont's guards and wings to put the ball on the floor, and really to to talk very to talk well on defense because they're going to have to make sure that in any kind of pick and roll situation they're not losing shooters or rotating properly. Uh, so it'll just be a lot of the little things. I mean, Belmont again, as we as we both we all talked about earlier, Belmont's not going to be a pushover team. Um, they're kind of dominant in the Ohio Valley the last five or so years since they've been there, and uh, it's really just going to come down to does Providence bring their A game on a night on a night when it's going to be probably a pretty light crowd at the Dunkin' Donuts Center uh, the night before Thanksgiving, 7 p.m. start. So. Um, just really all about energy, all about attention to detail on defense. And then on the on the other side of the ball, I, I really think that the big guys scoring uh, down low, which has been kind of a thing that was a bit of a surprise, should continue. They should be able to get, get the ball inside and attack the rim. Um, I would be a little concerned that they might try to uh, relax a little bit and fall in love with a three-point shot after going 9-10 in their last game out. But... Um, but I, I just think that the matchup is actually not too bad for Providence. Belmont plays a little small. Uh, Ed Cooley has shown that he'll he's willing to play small, and they have so many versatile pieces. The Friars do. So that would be the uh, just to finish up on uh, on Belmont. Unfortunately, we were kind of in the middle of a nice conversation earlier when things kind of went haywire. But um, and also I apologize for. Um, the sound, at least on my end, long story short, I uh, ended up having to record outdoors in a parking garage, which um, not enough time on this podcast to explain all the details on that. And then looking ahead to Saturday, uh, since we're not going to talk again until next week, uh, Boston College, currently 4-1 and one on the season. Um, they do have one other game. They're playing Wednesday also against Colgate. Uh, at home, uh, they played um, in the Hall of Fame Tip-Off Classic at Mohegan Sun over the weekend, a, pro- a tournament that Providence played in in 2014, and will play in again next year. Um, that's where they got their only loss against Texas Tech, um, but they uh, they looked actually pretty good overall. I watched a little bit of the games, especially their uh, their game against LaSalle, and I think really the key for BC looking ahead a little bit is that uh, obviously Providence fans are going to remember all the upsets in recent years at the hands of Boston College and how it was looked upon as such a horrible loss. And I'm not saying that Boston College is all of a sudden very good. They're still going to be towards the lower end of the ACC. Watching them early in the season, it's clear that they're better. Uh, I think Ken Palm uh, Tuesday's uh, ratings have them ranked 80, 81st. Um, so, so they're going to be a problem. Uh, they're, they're really going to go as far as their two guards, Jerome Robinson and Kai Bowman, take them. They, uh, they're, both, they're both just phenomenal players, uh, kind of overlooked because, of their, because they're playing at Boston College. The sophomore big man, uh, Nick Popovich, also uh, appears to be a little more improved. Seems to have kind of used his freshman year where he seemed to be running around with a chicken with his head cut off, uh, he's playing with a little bit more poise, a little more under control. They also added a six foot eight grad transfer from Illinois State in Deontay Hawkins, who's been playing good minutes uh, for them. But again, I think it's really Robinson and Bowman. So 
that'll be the key looking ahead uh, to Saturday's game at the dunk against Boston College. So that's really uh, a little bit of the preview for Providence's next two games between now and our next episode of the Providence Friarcast. Again, shout out to uh, Mike Gormley for the name. I uh, also want to uh, shout out my patrons uh, who have donated. Um, really gave me a lot of support over the last several months. Uh, really cool to meet a couple of them in New York City uh, last week who were down for the uh, 2K Classic. Uh, that was Chris Thurlow who came in from Nepal just casually. Uh, also met his twin brother. It was That was cool. Uh, a couple of Rhode Island guys. Um, Alex Simeone, another guy who I've known a little bit. Um, aside from being in, in the Patreon Slack chat, uh, but he also was down in New York City. It was good to meet him. Just rattle off a couple other names here. Uh, John Lee Dumas, JLD, Mike Evans, my dad, Adam Nagel, Bob Allison, Ron Torbick, Brendan Ryan, Dan Marcus, Joe DeAngelis, Dennis Corbett, Mike Saburn, Ray Penza, Dennis Burns, G, Terry Meyer, Alan Russ. So thanks again to all those guys specifically. A uh, little plug for the Patreon. For $3 a month, you can join our Slack community. For $5 a month, you get access to a special recruiting channel in the Slack chat. For $10 a month, you can have your name shouted out in all the podcasts. A few other things, check it out. That's patreon.com slash pcbb1917 to get involved in the, uh, in the Slack chat and uh, a couple other things that we have going on. All right, now we welcome on Barstool Riggs, who is the college basketball expert over on Barstool Sports. Riggs, thanks for coming on. Yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, All right, so let's jump right in here. I know we're about a week late to talk Providence-Minnesota, but considering it's probably one of the toughest teams PC will face all season long, I think it's still worth a quick discussion while we have you here. So what do you think of the way Providence handled the Gophers? I know they're a pretty sound team, but really, what the hell happened in those last 12 minutes? I know things were going well, and then it it happened pretty fast. All of a sudden, the Gophers really started having their way with Providence. So what do you really think happened in those last 12 minutes? Yeah, man, it, it's definitely weird. Like, Providence should not be collapsing like that, especially at home. Like, the dunk is a great home court advantage. This team has, you know, a ton of experience, a senior point guard. That it was kind of inexcusable in a way. Um, but in terms of, like, what happened, you know, offensively, they got a little careless and kind of pressed a little bit. But defensively is kind of what was shocking to me is, you know, they were like going under screens for Nate Mason or going over screens for Nate Mason. And you want to go under like you right. want to force Nate Mason to beat you shooting off the bounce. Right. And they weren't doing that. And then with Jordan Murphy, who, again, can't really shoot the ball well, they were like up on him trying to like force him to beat him off the bounce. Well, that's where he beat you. Right. So it, it, it was just weird. Like, I don't know if that was just staying in the defensive scheme or just pressing, but it was dumb. Yeah, like, that's the only uh, way yeah, I can kind I of describe gonna, it. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, it just sounds kind of dumb to me as well. And I don't know if that's Right, and I mean, they're coach. college kids. Like, right, yeah. That happens. Right, and, uh, and you know, it's tough because, again, like you said, the college kids. But it comes down to, you know, should Cooley be making more adjustments on defense? And, again, people have kind of knocked Cooley in the past for not being the greatest X's nose and in-game coach. So maybe that that's comes down dumb. to that. Or, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, he's, I, he's I, a great X's and O's coach. I, I think he's awesome. I, I mean, I yeah. Yeah, you're you're preaching to the choir here. I um, mean, I, I I did my top fifty coaches in America, incorporating everything from you know recruiting to in game coaching to you know selling the program. Right. And I think he was twentieth on my list. Yeah, I mean, he's got he's so got he was he was right there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know, um, 
What do you what do you think about Rodney Bullock? Because you say you know they're pretty experienced, and Bullock and Cartwright are probably their two most experienced guys. And yeah. in my opinion, they'll kind of go as far as those two guys take them. Um, and at least against Minnesota, and, and even you know later on in the week, he kind of he'll come and go. He's a little inconsistent. So what do you think about him? Obviously, they got to turn to look at him at points. You think he could have done more against Minnesota? Yeah, I mean, he is kind of who he is at this point. Like you, you yeah. know what you're getting out of him, and that is like a you know he he can drop twenty or he can drop three. Right. Um, you know, against Minnesota, he was more three than 20. And yeah, again, part of that was Minnesota's defense. They did a good job getting on him, but he also, and, and this is also kind of part of like the flex offense. He wasn't necessarily looking to attack as much as he should have. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he only had eight field goal attempts in 27 minutes. You'd like to see him get a little bit more than that. Um, right. just cause he's, I think the guy that has to be the scorer for, for Providence. Um, yeah. if they, you know, uh, and I say that uh, Providence is extremely balanced, but in terms of, hey, we need a bucket. Who can we, you know, who can we get the ball to to go get his own? That should be Bullock. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. That's actually what I was going to talk about next. It's just, it's interesting because they're like got a lot of depth. They're really balanced, yeah. but again, down the road in a tight game, they're going to need a go-to score. And and like you said, that's got to be Rodney. You know, he's their he's their go-to guy. He's let he let him in scoring last year, and I think he's the guy they got to turn to. Um, but yeah. he, could that be an issue for this team down the road if they're in tight games and he's not really there? I don't really know who they would turn to. You think that could be an issue? To a degree. Um, I think, you know, you kind of look at like Virginia last year. They kind of had that problem because it was like, all right, London Parentis, you have to go get this bucket or like, let's hope Kyle Guy or Ty Jerome comes out of nowhere and hits it or Darius Thompson. Right. Like, it, it, it's almost like hoping for the best. Now, I think Kyron Cartwright can go get you a bucket. But again, you're talking about a 5'10 point guard. Who's a pass first point guard first? Yeah, um, you can only ask so much of him. Right, right. So you know, can Alpha Diallo turn into that guy? Can Makai Ashton Langford possibly turn into that guy? Perhaps, right. but yeah, you know, I, I think Bullet just makes the most sense to me. It's like you have to have a wing that can just go get you a bucket, or right, you know, in a rare case with an on ball guard where you have someone like a you know, like a John Wall type or Brandon Knight type from Kentucky who. We saw go get They're their own buckets late in the game. Right. Yeah. And, and that's a little different. I, you know, Providence doesn't have that with, like, Cartwright's just not that player. And that's fine. Like, he's a great point guard. He's just not the guy that you want to say, all right, clear out, you know, ISO him on the side, go, go get yeah. some. Yeah. That's not what they're looking to do. He's a quarterback right, right. more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. And then that, um, that's completely, completely fine. I don't want people to get, like, upset, like, oh, you're bashing Cartwright. No, no, no. Like, he's a great yeah, point guard. Yeah. He's, like, he's, right. he's just not a go to scorer. Yeah, he's not going to get you a bucket with a minute left. You don't you don't want to right. rely on him for that. Yeah, yeah nor, sh- um, nor so should you. Like, nor should yeah, you. Yeah, right, exactly. That's not his role. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what do you think is the best-case scenario for the Friars this year? You know, they got a lot of depth, like we said before. It's probably some pretty high expectations. I know losing Emmett Holt really sucks. That's obviously yeah. a huge loss. But um, So obviously everything's not going as planned already with that injury. But after that, what would you say best-case scenario is for them this year? Um, Top four in the Big East. I think, you know, I think they're the fourth best team in the Big East. If they, best case, if they can get into the top three, that's, that's pretty big. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I think second weekend is a realistic possibility. You know, I, I don't think they're necessarily a top 16 team in the country, but right. they could, they could win two games and, you know, then, right. then you're there. Um, yeah. So I think that's, that's kind deep. of best case. That's deep for Providence too. That's deep. Cause yeah, the right, last couple right. of years, you know, getting in and getting one win is is their version of deep. So now yeah, and, the next goal is getting to the second weekend. Yeah, and I think the realistic realistic outcome is the round of 32. But, you know, best case scenario, you know, it wouldn't shock me if Providence is all of a sudden in the Sweet 16. 
right found found their way in there yeah i would agree with that um and on the other end what would you think is the worst case scenario worst case is you fall to like seventh in the big east and you're playing like the playing game in the NCAA tournament again that'd be be miserable yeah yeah like and it's what's scary like i don't think it's gonna happen but it's completely plausible like the big east is teams five five through eight are super deep It's just five and five through eight is just yeah anything could really happen and it's not right. A, you're talking it's about not a crate. Yeah, you're talking yeah, about Creighton, but... Butler, Marquette, uh, like right. St. John's. St. John's might be the like St. John's probably has more talent than Providence, but I think right. Providence is a better team, a better coach. But individual yeah, talent, like St. John's, like, is still kind St. Of John's is, yeah, St. John's is like a top three talented team in the in the conference. The question is, can they put it together and can Chris Mullen coach? Right, yeah, exactly. That's always. But like, if yeah, they, they finish really good, right? If they finish fourth, nobody should be shocked. And that's right. kind of worst case scenario for Providence is you know you fall to like six and in the Big East, and you know you're playing Seton Hall or Xavier in that three six first you know first round Big East game. You lose right. there, and you're an eleven seed playing in Dayton, um, and then you're stuck in Dayton again, which is their hellhole. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So it's just one. Again, I don't think that happens, but it's a completely realistic worst case scenario. Yeah, and I mean that's kind of a worst case scenario and a possibility every year in the Big East, at least for the last couple of years. Because like you right. said, you got a team like St. John's that's towards the bottom, but you watch them play against Nebraska the other night; they looked yeah. awesome and they're extremely talented. They can talented. score with anybody in the country. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that kind of and last year, Providence was picked to finish ninth in the Big East. They ended up finishing third. So it's just right. that whole middle ground can really go, yep. really go. I mean, there's way. to me, there's. There's two guarantees in the Big East this year. Villanova is the best team in, in the conference, and Georgetown and DePaul are the two worst teams. Right, right. And in Other the middle, that, it's just crap. total, yeah. yeah, total free-for-all. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then I've heard you, this is kind of changing direction here, but um, so far this year, at least in the Providence games, we've seen a lot of ticky-tack kind of hand-check fouls that really slow the games down. It's kind of brutal towards the end, and especially watching the 2K Classic, uh, you had Buzz Williams, you know, yeah. <laughs> having his guys foul towards the end of these games when they're down 10 with like 10 seconds left. And and in the Providence-Minnesota game, there's, you know, five minutes in the second half, you've got both teams with four guys with three-plus fouls. It just kind of gets a little right. ridiculous a while. Um, and I know you've talked in the past about the idea of changing college basketball back towards quarters um, yep. or over to, over to quarters. So I've heard your take on it before, but just give us a quick summary towards our listeners. I think it's always interesting to talk about and hear these kind of theories. Yeah, so first off, college basketball, men's college basketball is the only basketball game in the in the world that plays halves. Makes no sense. Like, why yeah. is it not just uniform with everything else? Um, yeah, yeah. Second of all, you know, you mentioned all these games. Think about the national championship game. How mm-hmm. miserable was that game? What was the storyline? The storyline were the refs. The storyline right. was, you know, foul shooting and just how miserable it was to watch. Who wants to watch? Like, you are a complete liar if you say, I enjoy watching free throws because that's what college basketball has turned into right now. That's <laughs> just, yeah, that's just not true. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. You, so go to four 10 minute quarters. It's still 40 minute game. Like, people keep being like, well, the timing and the flow of the game. There, there is no flow of the game. Like, when you start shooting yeah, free no. throws with 11 and a half minutes to go, there is no flow to the game. You can do quarters. You keep the same TV timeouts, you know. So there's what, nine stoppages right now with halftime and four TV timeouts yeah. on each side. You know, right. at the end of every quarter, halftime, so you're at five right there, and you throw in four TV timeouts, you know, at, like, the five-minute mark of each quarter. Yeah, Something I think it like makes that. total sense. Right, so so the ad revenue is still there. The, the quote, flow of the game still there. And then fouls reset at every quarter. 
So instead of this, you know, free throw contest for 11 and a half minutes of, of every half, you're maybe shooting, you know, free throws for three minutes. And it's just, be right, so the flow's fun. just there. And it's, and it's more up and down. And, like, think about, like, what was the best game last year? Most people would say that Kentucky-North Carolina game in Vegas, where it was, right. you know, in the like 80s. 90s or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Like, up and down, players just making plays. Like, it was just, it was dudes just playing basketball. That's what people <laughs> yeah, want to watch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, yeah. Yes, people with the worst. guys from the line. Right. You've asked people what the worst game of the year was last year. It was like Virginia, Florida, or or the national championship game because <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. free throws it's, and low it's scoring. It's absolutely horrific to watch. Right. And it's not like people like spare me the, well, if you, if you don't like college basketball, just go watch the NBA. And it's like, no, like college basketball is a very dated game. Like it's the rules are super dated. NCAA is just super dated. Like, yeah. Was it okay when there was no dunking? Like that was college basketball. Do you want to go back to that? Like that, that's <laughs> Ex- what, guess I, what? That's for the better. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I'm totally with you, man. I, I right. mean, I, I'm happy that you mentioned the people who always say, well, it's going to mess up the flow. It's going to mess up. The flow. There hasn't been no. a flow in a couple years. You know, it's just ridiculous right. to, to right. say that when, when there's 11 minutes left and both teams are in the bonus, there's no, nobody such wants you to watch that. No, that's just no, nobody wants to do that. So, yeah. Well, thanks for kind of talking about that. I, I'm I'm always interested to hear those kind of theories, and I'm 100% on board with you. I think it yep. makes no sense for us to be living in the 1930s and playing right, right. two halves. I, I just don't well, understand especially if that. The refs are going to call it tight. Like that's yeah, fine I mean, if that's what win. they're going to do. But yeah. you, like, if you get three ticky tack fouls, you're like you're just that close to the bonus now, like a minute into the game. Right. It's just not going to work with hand check calls and all that. It's just it's just yep the, yeah. yep yeah. Um, and then jumping back to Providence here real quick, they just wrapped up uh, the 2K Classic. They got a tournament yep. win, which is which is great. Cooley's done a great job in these early season tournaments in years past. Um, so they took home the crown here, but it was a little bit of a lighter field. You know, they played St. Louis and Washington. So obviously they're not boasting like a Maui Invitational field there. But what do you think the Friars should kind of take away from their wins at MSG? Yeah, I mean, it's you, you, you would have liked to see them play Virginia Tech just because Virginia Tech is a NCAA tournament team. But, you know, you beat an up-and-coming St. Louis team pretty handedly. You beat Washington, who's going to be a little bit more competitive this year than obviously last year. Um, Mm. You know, you would have liked to see them kind of put them away. That that game was weird because it was like Providence would get up and then Washington would come back and Providence would push it back up to like 11 or 12, let Washington back in the game. So that was a little concerning um, just because, you know, what happens if you're playing – Seton Hall, and you're letting them back yeah. in the game. Like, it's a little different in that world. Um, Much different. I agree. Right. So that was like my concern taking away from the tournament. But, you know, you, you took care of business, and that's the biggest thing is you won on a, quote, neutral court, even though it was probably more Providence home than, than anyone else in the, the field. Definitely. Um, definitely. Yeah. But, you, you know, you still won. You, you won back-to-back games. Um, You know, you avoid a loss, which is early, which is all you want to do. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, like you, you still like you shot the ball pretty well. You scored pretty well. Um, so that's kind of like what you can build on. Like, hey, you know, we can we can score. It's just getting yeah. this confidence now early in the season. So you know, yeah. all in all, yeah, it was a weaker field, but I think it's a, uh, I think it's a, it's you you did what you needed to do, and that's all that matters. Right, all positive takeaways, which is yep. all you can really all you can really look for for some of these early season tournaments, which is which is ideal. Um, all right. So, what do you what do you think? What's the what's your pick for 
uh, the final record for the Friars this year? How many wins do you think they'll finish up with? Oh, well, let's see here. How many games they play? They play. They've. Ah, uh, that's a. Well, they've played. They're three and one they're right three now. Three and one. Let's see here. How many games do they play here? I'm gonna pull up. Pull up their schedule real quick and see what's let's realistic see. They play, here. They play. They play thirty one. Thirty one games. They have thirty one. All right, I'll yep. go. I think they win twenty. Who? I think they win twenty. Two games, I'll say. 22, I think they, right. I think they sweep the rest of the non-conference. Just looking at it, there's really not a bunch of great teams left. You have Houston on a neutral court. You have yeah, URI you have Boston College. Game. Yeah, you have URI at URI, but you know, EC Matthews isn't playing in that game. Belmont right. could be tough. Um, so I think you sweep the non-conference, and then you go eleven and seven in conference play. Yeah. Okay. Sounds about right. I, I yeah, think I that's could, about I right. Think I think you finish. Fourth. I think you finish fourth. Um, you know, fourth in the Big East. I think sounds sounds fair. Yeah, I think PC fans could get on board with that. I'd agree with that. All right. Well, hey man, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it, and uh, hopefully we can talk to you during the season when uh, around when conference play starts. But I appreciate you coming on. Yeah. No problem, man. All right. Have a good one. Yep. You too. See ya. That'll do it for this inaugural episode of the Providence Friar Cast. I want to wish everyone out there a happy Thanksgiving, and we'll talk to you next week. Don't forget to subscribe to the Providence Friar Cast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Mike, follow Mike Hopkins on Twitter and Instagram at PCBB1917. Like the Facebook page, and as always, stay classy, Friartown. Town.